Today I'm continuing in the series of sermons that I started a number of weeks ago entitled Aliens, Strangers, and Reformers. So far in this series, we've looked at how God has consistently told his people, that is first the Jewish people, and then we Christians, that we are not to be like all the others around us, that we are set apart for God. In effect, that we are to remain aliens and strangers in this world, to be in the world, but not of it, to be different in how we worship and how we live. But throughout, throughout history, the temptation has been strong for us to become more like the people around us, to worship other gods and follow other rules and moralities. That temptation often has been too great. And so over and over, first the Israelites and then we Christians have betrayed God, especially in one of two ways, either by following after and worshiping other gods, putting other things ahead of God and His will for us, or by giving into greedy materialism and seeking gain by taking advantage of those who are weaker, the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. Sometimes our greedy materialism has actually become our God, as we talked about some last week. Well, over the last several weeks, we've talked about several things that God told us to do in a way that is different than the world sees it. We talked about welcoming strangers, which means foreigners, how it is important for us to welcome and care for foreigners who come to our land. It's as important as it is to care for widows and orphans. Jesus even listed inviting in those who are strangers or foreigners in Matthew 25 when he listed the most critical things that we should be doing. And then last week we considered how we as Christians are to relate to money and material possessions and the dangers, especially in this modern Western culture, of making an idol of material goods and material wealth. <clears throat> now today I want to talk about another issue that's very much in the news. As you probably noticed from our bulletin, this sermon is entitled, Telling the Truth. As I'm sure you know, every year there are listed a number of different words or phrases that get added to the common English lexicon. Sometimes they even get added into the Oxford book, uh, the Oxford Dictionary of the English Language, which is the ultimate source for English words. In the past couple of years, we have had a number of new expressions, but two in particular that have become common in our language are, I believe, reflective of something very, uh, very dangerous and very troublesome in our current culture. Those expressions are fake news, and alternative facts. Fake news can be one of two things as it's used. It's either news that is reported as being true when the person who reports it know that it's not true, or else it is calling a true report fake because you don't like what it says, even if it is true. You want it to say something else, so you make it say something else, and you have fake news. The other term, alternative facts, means reporting not the truth, but rather something that is untrue because it better suits what the speaker wishes the news would have said. In all cases, fake news and alternative facts can be more briefly referred to as what they really are, lies. Make no mistake, while these expressions are new, lying is not new. People have always lied to gain personal advantage, to advocate for a cause they prefer, to get something they wanted. Some writers who wrote about how to gain and keep power, writers like Machiavelli, Nietzsche, and Sun Tzu, advocated actively lying whenever it was to your advantage. So lying is certainly not something new. 
But what is new is the quite recent idea that there is nothing wrong with lying to get what you want. That, in fact, you don't even have to call it lying anymore. If it gets you what you want, it's not really lying. It's alternative facts. But the fact really is that there is something wrong with lying, at least according to tradition and to virtually every major philosopher, especially Christian philosophers and theologians that have ever lived, and most importantly, according to Scripture, that lying is wrong. Let's back up and start with the things we all grew up with, the things that we were taught when we were children. There was a time not very long ago when telling a lie was considered one of the worst and most dishonorable things that a person could do. Lying to your teacher would get you suspended from school. Lying to a parent would get you grounded, or in my case, worse. To teach this kind of importance about telling the truth, we had stories like the one about George Washington. As a child, George Washington took his hatchet and chopped down the cherry tree. And when his father asked him if he had done that, if he had chopped down the cherry tree, the story is that Washington replied, I cannot tell a lie, I did chop down the cherry tree. And his father was so impressed with his honesty, he didn't punish him. There's a corollary story that we tell in the South. The, we have, my grandparents, all the way through my grandparents, had uh, outdoor toilets, outhouses. You know what those are. Well, young people, especially boys, who are getting into mischief, one of the things they used to do was tip over the outhouse. You know, just like tipping cows or whatever. Well, there's a story about a father who came up to his son Johnny and said, Johnny, I want to ask you a question. I want the true answer. Did you tip over the outhouse? And Johnny, remembering the George Washington story, said, Yes, father, I cannot tell a lie. I tipped over the outhouse. His father promptly jerked him up and gave him a spanking. And Johnny said, Wait a minute. In the George Washington story, because he told the truth, his dad didn't spank him. Why did I get spanked and George Washington didn't? And his father said, well, Johnny, I guess the only thing I can say is that George Washington's father was not in that cherry tree at the time. (laughs) But either way, we recognize that lying is not acceptable, even if it's a way to try to get away from possible punishment. We then were told the story of Pinocchio a wooden boy who came to life and who then had a habit of lying. Every time Pinocchio lied, his nose grew, meaning that lying had a negative effect on the liar and that that effect began to show more and more the more he lied. And from Aesop's fable, we have the story of the boy who cried wolf. After many times of lying by falsely claiming that the wolf was coming, when the boy then truthfully reported that the wolf was coming, no one would believe him. This boy who cried wolf story is consistent with the writings of a wonderful philosopher and political theorist named Hannah Arendt, 20th century philosopher, who said that in a society where lying becomes common, the danger is not so much that we will believe the lies as that we will no longer believe anything, as they would no longer believe the boy who cried wolf. Lying, in other words, has a damaging effect on the liar, as it has a damaging effect on the ones being lied to. This is one reason that in the past, case studies in the field of ethics, and I experienced this myself in Christian ethics classes, often would consider what possible circumstances might justify telling a lie, giving the obvious and sometimes not so obvious destructive power that a lie has. When would you be justified in lying? 
Now, as I mentioned, Christian theologians, including some really heavy hitters like St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, two of the primary historical theologians in Christianity, have generally agreed that there is never a moral justification for lying. That is, that there are no circumstances in which one may ethically lie, no matter what danger or hardship one might face. This matter of lying was important enough to Augustine that he wrote two books about it. One called On Lying and one called Against Lying. Now this idea that there's never justification for lying may be hard for us to accept. Wouldn't it be okay to lie if it was necessary to protect your family or yourself or someone else from threat or persecution? The example is always if the Nazi stormtroopers are knocking on your door, will you lie about the fact you have Jewish people in your basement? Most theologians in history, surprisingly to many of us, would say no. Not even then is it justified to tell a lie. And so we have that quandary. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great Christian theologian and pastor who was murdered by the Nazis in a concentration camp just days before the concentration camp was, was liberated by the Allies, had participated in a plot to try to assassinate Adolf Hitler which involved not only plotting the death of Hitler, but also lying about it. While most of us would insist that such an attempt was justified and not something that God would condemn, I mean, we're talking about Hitler after all, one of the most satanic people that has ever lived perhaps, Bonhoeffer always insisted that it was a sin for him to try to take the life of another person, any person, even Hitler and that he would accept God's judgment for that even though he felt that he had to try to take that action. He didn't try to just excuse it, to blow it off and say, of course God's not going to consider that a bad thing. He recognized it as a sin. The same sin, he would have said, applies to lying even if we think the lie is justified. It is still a sin and there are consequences for all sins, as hard as that sounds. This argument is based upon the very strong messages against lying that we find in Scripture. And that, after all, is the basis of our belief. What we are told in God's Word about how we should live, how we should act, including how we should live and act with regard to lying. Both the Old and New Testament are consistent in saying that God is truth and that He cannot lie. That lying is not possible given the nature of God. And for that reason, lying is immoral. It is against the nature of God and so is wrong for anyone who is seeking to serve God. After all, one of the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten, is thou shalt not bear false witness. You can't lie. It's listed along with murder and stealing and adultery. Proverbs 6, starting with verse 16, tells us plainly how God feels about lying. It says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Of those seven things it says God hates, three of them have to do with lying. Isaiah 59 tells us, 
Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion, and treachery against the Lord, uh, our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Very simply, Scripture makes it clear that dishonesty, falsehood, lies, and deceit are not of God, but instead are reflective of evil, of rebellion, and treachery against God. Lies are a sign of oppression and of the driving back of justice, as Isaiah says. In the New Testament, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. But later on in the same chapter, he goes on to say that lies are of the devil. Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. As Christians, we are called to be more like Jesus. Jesus even said we should seek to be perfect even as our Father in heaven is perfect. But lying for any reason does not make us more like God. Lying makes us more like the devil, who is the father of lies. There is no such thing as fake news or alternative facts. These are just euphemisms for lying, and they are an offense to God. While there may be times when we feel the real need to tell a lie to protect the weak, we can only do so, I believe, as Bonhoeffer did, with the recognition that a lie is still an offense to God, and we must be prepared to accept the consequences of that, as he did. In fact, I think we need to recognize that most of the lies that are told today are not to protect the weak, to care for the innocent. Today, most lies are to protect and empower the strong and the wealthy, to give more power to those already in power and more wealth to those who already have wealth. This is the word of the Lord from Psalm 52. Do we have that, Carolyn? (laughs) We're having a little projection problem. Psalm 52, the first seven verses, says this. If it comes up, that'll be great, but I'm going to go ahead and proceed with it. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace to the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. So what are we to do with this? First, we must realize that according to Scripture, lying, no matter what we call it, is wrong. It is especially wrong when those lies come, as Psalm 52 talks about, from those in power, those who have been entrusted with leadership. 
There are no such things as fake news or alternate facts. There are only lies and truth. Lies are from Satan, the father of lies. Truth is of God, and we who are followers of Jesus are called to the higher standard of truth. We are to live by different rules, which based on Scripture tell us that we are not to be the people of the lie. We are to be the people of the truth. We are called to the truth, the truth that is in Christ and is Christ. So we are not to lie, nor are we to condone lying. We must be wise in recognizing that Satan is alive and working very hard to spread his lies, and we must not accept those lies, no matter what the circumstance and no matter whose mouth they proceed from. For we are to be the people of the truth. Amen.